mortals to the haunted mansion I am your host your ghost host there's no turning back now welcome to the bare naked ABCs where we discuss every song from seven to why why because we love you <laughs> I see what oh. you did there <laughs> Aaron is groaning, but I see I see Brian is grinning. Why? Because we love you. Wait, no, I already did that joke. Um, I'm a grimly groaning uh, beca- ghost. Be- because I'm just because I'm just excited. I was invited to be back on the show. I really am. <laughs> We're actually really super excited to have you. And like yeah. Brian, I can't imagine a more perfect song to have you back for. You know, this is this is one that I love on several different levels, even apart from just being a, a bare naked ladies fan. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm super excited. So for for those of you who don't know, Brian's from the from the podcast All About the Mouse, which is a very prolific podcast. What number are you on now at this point? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! I think uh, well, at the time this is airing, we're we're somewhere in the the upper five hundreds. I think uh, you know we've yeah we've been around for and I say we the the podcast has changed a little over the years. Uh, started out with me and a co-host. Uh, I guess I don't know at this point about like ten years ago or so. Uh, we took a, a little bit of a hiatus and then came back and then my co-host left. So now I'm all by myself. But uh, but anyway, it's it's a, it's still going strong and i'm still really i i love talking about disney almost as much as i love talking about bare naked ladies so <laughs> and tonight you get the perfect amalgam <laughs> i know i this is why I was, I was super excited i was like heck yeah <laughs> and also tonight coming back from his extended visit to disney world we have aaron joining us if only <laughs> Good to be Wouldn't here. you love to be there for like three, four months oh, there, Eric? man. I would live there if I could. <laughs> so, uh, if you haven't already picked up on the clues or you didn't read the title of tonight's <laughs> song, uh, we will be discussing Grim Grinning Ghosts. And this is a really deep dive song. You won't find it on any Bare Naked Ladies albums, even their wonderful you know, discs, uh, disc sets, um, and best of albums. There are a few songs in the B and L category that fit this description description that we will be covering. And this is one of them. Um, I'm actually really excited to come to this song tonight. Um, it was off Disneyland's the, the Disney music from the park album, which was released in 1996. Um, and you can also find it on the, Haunted Mansion soundtrack, supposedly. Although every time I try to look it up on the Haunted Mansion su- soundtrack, sometimes it shows up, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and that was from 2003. So that's the Haunted and Mansion we'll com- movie with, with Eddie Murphy? or That is correct, I've yes. never seen that, believe it or not. I love the attraction, Haunted Mansion. never I, seen the film. I was, I'm hoping we will tonight cover the mansion. Yeah the movie a little bit and the wonderful variations on this song 
Oh my gosh, I can do I can do all three for you. I, <laughs> I actually I'm I'm one of the few people I won't, I won't say I love the movie, but I'm one of the few people who enjoy the movie. I really do. I think the movie is good for what it is. A, a lot of people, a lot of Disney fans included, groan <laughs> when you mention Eddie Murphy and Haunted Mansion. But I I actually think it's a, it, I think it's an okay film. I, I actually enjoy it. And, and we're gonna get into it a little bit, but. It matches up very much with what the initial intention for the ride was. So it'll it'll be interesting when we get to that. Cause we'll have to talk about the ride first because the, then we'll understand why the movie was panned, but also why it matches up perfectly. Um, before we get into it, we should probably talk about who wrote this song. Um, so it, it is the theme song for the Haunted Mansion attractions across all Disney theme parks. Um, it was composed by Buddy Baker, and the <clears throat> lyrics were written by X Extensio. His full name is Xavier Extensio, but most people know him by X Extensio. Um, they have written a number of things over the years for a number of the different um, different rides throughout the park. So they they are well. They come back to them a lot when the, when Disney was kind of creating the rides. Yeah, another uh, another one that you uh, most definitely will know uh, that um, that uh, X actually had a hand in was actually the Yoho a Pirate's oh, Life nice. for Me from the Pirates of the Caribbean Excellent. attraction. Yeah, yeah, and um, he's he's actually you know people ask me you know like who's your fa- do you have a favorite Disney Imagineer? He's he's actually the one specifically because I'm a music guy. And, um, and, you know, he, his thing was more, was more lyrics, uh, but this is, this is one, uh, that and, uh, the, uh, Pirate Side for me, uh, was one that he kind of collaborated with and, and, uh, helped with that. But yeah, I, I, I love him. And it's funny that you mentioned that because it's that song exactly. I, I have, so I have a number of facts that came up this week. I had a lot of time to research facts and I love this ride. So, uh, I did a lot of research on this, this song, um, Yo-ho-ho is actually, or Yo-ho-yo-ho is actually the song that inspired them to do music for this ride for Grim Grinning Ghost for Haunted Mansion without the Pirates of the Caribbean song working and being as catchy as it was, we would not have Grim Grinning Ghosts. Well, then thank goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and what's what's interesting, this is something I, I don't really admit a whole lot, <laughs> but, you know, I actually, I don't know why. I'm one of these people, I'd ridden a Haunted Mansion a million times, and I was always more about what was visually going on inside the Haunted Mansion, because it is such so visually stimulating and, and just so amazing with the the effects. And one thing I've always loved about that attraction is, you know, they've, they've done updates and things like that over the years, and they have uh, incorporated a few of the more up-to-date visual effects and things like that. But for the most part, the things that wow you are the same trips and the same... Yeah, it, it, it it's the same thing they've been using yeah. since since the since the 60s. And um but so I've always into the visual aspects of it. And you know, I knew there was music in it, but I was, never really paid attention to the the music always <clears throat> as much as, you know. And believe it or not, it is it's almost a little embarrassing as a Disney fan to admit, but believe it or not, it wasn't until I came across the Bare Naked Ladies cover oh, wow. of this song that I was like, I, I don't understand. How is this Disney related? <laughs> and then I kind of did a little bit of research. I'm like, 
Oh, that's what they're singing inside the room. Well, and I think that's... <laughs> and <then> now <laughs> we're going to come back to this later on when we break it all down. But one of the reasons that I, I felt the same way, um, and, and I had heard this song just before I went back to Disney the last time with the kids. I'm like listening for it, waiting for it. Yeah. Part of the reason it gets lost is it do, it's throughout the ride for the music, but the singing isn't until the graveyard, the graveyard scene. Part, yeah. And then you have a probably, I think it's around 15 different versions of this song all being lapped over one another. So you never really get a full rendition of this that is clear for yeah. every. Yeah. Unless the ride, unless the uh, the ghosts uh, are mischievous and the ride breaks down and you get stuck <laughs> there for like 10 minutes, which honestly, this is the one ride I did not mind getting stuck on. I got stuck on Spaceship Earth. I got stuck on Pirates, I think. I got stuck on this one, and I was like, I'll just sit here in the dark with my fiance and listen to the spooky music and watch the, <laughs> the cool holograms and stuff. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, cool. and it, as a Disney fan, you you really get the the full impact of the song whenever you start becoming a, a, a little nerdy uh, like myself, and you start you know <clears throat> finding places to be able to obtain and listen to the the uh, the attraction audio. So so then you start to you listen to it over and over again, and then you start to hear like, oh, okay, you know, you start to get into the music. But at the point that I that I discovered the bare naked ladies version of this, I I hadn't quite gotten to gotten there yet. So it, this was this was interesting for me. It really was. It was one of the things I can't even remember how I came upon it uh, until you mentioned uh, Tracy where it was. I actually didn't even know where this was located. I, I, it was one of those things I found online somewhere, and then I think somewhere along the way, maybe wherever I found it, I, I saw something relating to Disney, and I was like, I, "How is this Disney? I, I don't understand." And then so I don't know. It was one of those. It was one of those weird things where I just slowly. <laughs> came to appreciate it in all its glory. I have a number of facts about this. I want to start throwing some facts out there real quickly about this song. Um, so the people who recorded this, there were a lot of people that recorded this. As I said, there's 50, 15 different versions that kind of overlap in this one spot. The most common one, of course, are the um, heads, the busts, the, no, the busts. The of the five different people that yes. are singing, the, um, of the course they have don't names. have butts. Rolo Rumpkin, <laughs> Uncle... they, no, they don't have butts. <laughs> that would be a statue or, or chess. Or chess. <laughs> um, so the the character names of these busts are Rolo Rumpkin, Uncle Theodore, Cousin Algernon, Ned Nub, and Phineas P. Puck. Mm. They actually have named the busts for the, the statues for this, which is wonderful. Um, and a, a nice little interesting thing is like the people who actually sang it, the Mellow Men, they did such a great job in singing it and doing facial expressions and reacting to each other when they were recording it that they decided to have them come back, re-record them singing it and getting their facial expressions. And those are the actual singers we sing, yeah. see that they have <clears throat> then put onto the busts singing the song. Yep, absolutely. And one of the, one of the common, uh, common mistakes that gets made and rumors that gets thrown out there is that one of the, the busts, and I believe it's the one with that. It's actually the busted bust. <laughs> that's actually has the head busted like kind of laying on the ground or whatever. One of the common, uh, you know, misconceptions is that, uh, that one is Walt Disney. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and, no. it, and it's not, but it, it's a nice, it's a nice, fun little theory. 
It is the lead singer, Thurl yes. Ravenscroft. Who you will know as the voice of Tony the Tiger and, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He He's also great. Did the- <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. He also did the music for 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, oh, cool. Mary Poppins, Jungle nice. Book, Pete's Dragon. He was extremely pro- prolific on this on, at, at the uh, Disneyland Parks. I found in going through and trying to find facts for this, you could get into some really deep dives and some really down deep factual knowledge about the, this ride especially online and, and just disappear into that rabbit hole. We're not talking about Alice in Wonderland. We're talking about, <laughs> you know, Grim Grinning Ghost Haunted Mansion. Um, but you can really get deep into this ride if you want to yeah this this ride is actually it's it's an absolute you know and i i I won't go on because i probably could sit here and go on and on and on and eventually we'll talk about the song but uh but this ride is it it really is it it really is a spectacular attraction like i said i I, this is probably you know if my favorite attraction and maybe all of the theme parks definitely in it absolutely yeah it's it's yeah. um you know it, it it's amazing so the the even the ride mechanism itself how you're actually you know in the mm. the doom buggy is what the, the doom, doom buggies, buggies. yes yeah. <laughs> and you know that all that all came about there was an, an imagineer by the name of Bob Gurr who actually designed uh, this system and the, the way it came about is they wanted to have a way where they could move you through the attraction but have you like point you in the direction where they wanted you to look so not just have you just go straight down the corridors of the the, the haunted mansion and you kind of looking left and right and just kind of deciding you know whatever it is that you might want to take into your field of vision but actually moving you through and turning the doom buggy as if you were moving through scenes through a movie really and pointing you in the direction and you know that in and of itself is is a you, you might not think much of it today because there's a lot of attractions that use that but this was this was really the the innovator for that for that particular system and then you know the the pepper's ghost effect um you know like you mentioned Aaron it, oh yeah it is i, I mean i i, I don't want to spoil the magic, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. This is this is uh, kind of fun. So I know how the how the the Pepper's Ghost effect works. Okay, and I know that um, you know you're going through, and there's basically going through the ballroom scene, and you're basically looking at reflections off of glass that is in front of you. I don't know how many, I don't know, dozens, scores, hundreds, maybe even times I wrote it before I ever even realized there was a glass. I didn't even know it was glass. Mm -hmm. It's so clean and clear. Um, It's amazing. But I will tell you this. I know how it works, and I have been stuck in that area of the attraction, and I have craned my neck and looked all around, and I cannot (laughs) find, even as big a fan I am, I know they're there, but I don't know where they're at. I don't know where the actual figures that are being reflected are at. But uh, uh, it, it's amazing. It's a ama- it's a really old school, a very very old school trick that still to this day in two thousand. It looks yeah, fantastic. it does in twenty twenty. Yeah. It still yeah. amazes people. It, it's it's awesome. What amazes even me, when they do it with cameras, it still yeah. looks good. Like some some of them, you're like, oh yeah, I can yeah, see what's going on. What, what amazes and me, that Tracy, one still, that, yeah, effect, that effect was invented in 1862. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, <laughs> think of you're, you're someone who just, you're about to go into the Civil War or something, and you see this effect on stage. It would blow your mind. It blows my mind still looking at it. It's incredible. So 
I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like for people uh, nearly 200 years ago now to have seen that. And Brian, you were mentioning the mechanism to get them through the ride. And originally Disney had constructed this haunted house as an idea. Like the idea was that people would walk yeah. through this attraction. And the other reason they came up with the car- the whole doom buggy with idea was we've got to get these guys through this line. This attraction is going to be wonderful. We've got to get them through faster than just walking through and staring at everything. And that was their their motor their vehicle to get them through. Yeah, quickly. and you know, and I I have to mention we have to mention at least uh, also the stretching room. You know, because the stretching room is amazing. Depending oh on goodness. what coast you're on, you know, and, and when the, the narrator, the ghost host says, is this haunted room actually stretching? Is this haunted room actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? Hmm? And consider this dismaying observation. This chamber has no windows and no doors. <laughs> Like you know, it, it, you kind of don't know. Is it is it stretching? Are we moving down? Is the ceiling going up? I don't know. And that was actually a very very clever thing that they did because this thing debuted out at Disneyland on the West Coast uh, first. And in Disneyland, they were you know one of the things that they kind of found themselves uh, you know uh, in a pickle about was the fact that they eventually ran out of room. Like everything started growing yeah. as soon as Disneyland blew up and became the huge attraction magnet that it that it is and was. Um, they had they really didn't have any room to expand. So when they went to put Haunted Mansion in, you know Haunted Mansion did not open with the park. Uh, so when they went to put Haunted Mansion in, the actual you know, you, you you enter the attraction that's within the the you know the park, but the actual show building where the ride most of the ride actually takes place is on the other side of the train track that circles the park that was already there, and so they had they had to figure right. out a way. They're like, well, you know, what are we going to do? So they actually created that whole stretching room scene that you enter in first and out at Disneyland in Florida, you go like, you know, 10 feet below the ground, you hit water, but at Disneyland, uh, they, they don't have to do that. So it's actually an elevator that takes you below ground. And then you actually go into the rest of the attraction underneath the train tracks, uh, and into the show building on the other side in Florida, they brought that over here. Well, they didn't need that. Um, and you can't go underground, so they just make the, the, the ceiling just stretches. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and you're actually not moving anywhere. You're just sitting in one place in a room. But, again, I can't tell you how many uh, dozens and dozens of times I wrote it before I ever even realized that. You you really don't know. There, it, it, it's done extremely well. Well, and it's like the pictures. Oh. You can be watching one of them. Yeah. You can watch another one. Like, you have to go on this ride so many times <laughs> to pick up on all the different things. Even as I was watching the videos this week, I never caught on to looking at the ceiling up at the very top and watching it flash and then seeing the person, the the corpse yeah. hanging from the gallows. And I was like, how did I ever miss that? All those times I ran you know, and broke and that's, the ride. For Disney's taste. I mean, that's, that's a little gruesome. I mean, like... Even you know my my wife actually will, will tell won't let my kids look up <laughs> because you know they're kind of young and she doesn't want to <laughs> deal with the nightmares you know but it, 
it, you know, it's, right. it's, um, you know, it's really cool. I, 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 I think this attraction is very, and I think that's one of the reasons why it endears to people of all ages. Um, because I remember writing this as a little kid. I remember being really scared and I remember my dad telling me, Oh, you'll, you'll like it. You'll like it. Don't worry about it. And he made me go on it. And then I got off and I said, Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. I want to do it again. Um, you know, so, and I think that's, you know, but, it, but it's also, it's not a kiddie ride. You know, I wouldn't qualify it as a kiddie ride. It's, it's entertaining for everybody. Yeah. Well, I, and then that brings up like a really important point in, in developing this, what happened was they had two different people developing this as the main people and neither one could agree on what this ride was supposed to be. One wanted it to be fun and fantasyful. The other one wanted it to be almost horrific in nature and scary. And the event, like they went Strikes back and balance. forth with each other for quite some time. And they finally decided the beginning would be scary. So up until the ride begins is actually scary and, and a little maudlin and then once the ride begins, once you get on the Doom carts, that's when it kicks into the more fun aspects of the ride. Although it's still scary. I mean, the the ghost aspects throughout the ride are still scary. My kids were scared when they went on the ride. Um, they refused to go back on it a second time. I was like, oh, man, I wanted to catch more of this. Um, <laughs> but... My question to you, my question to you, Brian, because I've been, I've never been out to Disneyland. I hope to someday, uh, but I've been to Disney World a couple of times, and I've been to uh, Tokyo Disney, both Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. So I've ridden Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World many, many times now, and I've ridden um, the one in, I believe it's in Tokyo Disneyland uh, once, and uh, I love that. That was a little different, but very, very similar in most respects. I was wondering, have you seen the one in? Euro Disney, which I've never been to either. I've heard that one actually is a bit darker. Yeah, so uh, and that's and you know it's funny some of these some of these attractions depending on the the park that they're in around the world have different themings. It, well, actually, uh, a lot of them have different themings. Even the one at Disneyland has a much different theming. Whereas in Walt Disney World, they you kind of have this very gothic New England kind of looking like manor kind of looking thing and then out at disneyland i actually just it's just like a louisiana one yeah right? and you know gothic. and it's just my preference i just i really love uh the kind of antebellum and you know victorian <laughs> yeah. style architecture of the of the 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 louisiana bayou and stuff like the plantation homes i i just think they're beautiful and so i love i love the one at disneyland but yeah you're right so the one in the one in um, Euro Disney or Disneyland Paris, as it's, as it's called now, um, mm. they um, it, it's a uh, Phantom Manor is what it's called mm. out there. Okay. And I have not I, I haven't been over there yet. It's on my bucket list. And I uh, and believe it or not, I'm not that I don't really watch. Uh, I, I try to stay away from videos online of attractions that I haven't been able to mm-hmm. see yet. I kind yeah, of I'd rather like, experience it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I'm really like that. Even <laughs> though I might, you know, it's a ride I may not get to see for I don't know who knows ten twenty years or something. But uh, I still want to go in fresh. So I, I've kind of stayed away. But I have heard that about Phantom Manor. Um, but, yeah, I definitely have heard that. And the Tokyo one is completely different. It's pretty different. I, I, maybe I'm not remembering it as well as I think I do. I, I took a GoPro ride-through video of it, so I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But I remember it being fairly similar. Um, they definitely had Grim Grinning Ghosts on there. I can't. Re- the narration was in Japanese, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, the thing that astounded me most about Tokyo Disney was the parades because the characters would come out and talk in Japanese. But, I mean, that, I was expecting that. But what I was not expecting was the concept of an accent carrying through to other languages. Like, of course that exists. But you don't think about that. So to hear someone speaking Japanese in a French accent, like, just like whoa whoa it was really bizarre and cool and it was just kind of gave me a it was really kind of a, an eye-opening experience and, and very interesting well the tokyo disney one is not about ghosts at all the tokyo disney one is about an explorer that goes around and and finds all these mystical objects that are from around the world and collects them and then accidentally releases a spell that brings things to life. I, but there are no I do seem to remember it was more like poltergeist so and that, that does chill. And from from what I've heard, I know how I know how um, you know, secondhand knowledge gets, so I won't cite this as a 100% fact, but I do believe this is true from what I've heard that has to do with the culture over there with, you know, how they, you know, not yep. really um, you know, believing in ghosts and things like that, or, or, or you know, kind of having different beliefs in the culture, so that the story is a uh, is different in that aspect. You're right. Um, but yeah, it... there, and I'll be putting a website up on our links uh, that goes through the, how each of those rides in each of the different parks is different as yeah, well. Yeah, and another thing I, I wanted to mention, just some really fun. I, I think a couple fun facts that I can just think of off the top of my head about Haunted Mansion that you know, some of your listeners may or, or, or may not know. Um, but uh, one thing I've always loved is uh, as you're going through the, the, the seance scene where there's the crystal ball in there yeah. and it, you've got uh, Madame Leota who's there you know, or, or in, the, in the ball. So it's, it's really funny. So the, the head that you're seeing, the, the, the person that you're seeing in there is actually one of the Imagineers who worked on the attraction. And her name, believe it or not, is Leota Tombs, T-O-O-M-B-S. <laughs> That's actually her name. That's too perfect. <laughs> and, um, you know, she she was actually just kind of, she was basically just uh, testing out the effect. And I think they were shooting some footage, just kind of testing out the effect. And they decided to go ahead and use uh, her head for that. Uh, but the voice that you hear is actually uh, the, avoid, the voice of um, Eleanor Oddly, who actually plays the voice of Maleficent from uh, Sleeping Beauty. A, I had an inkling. I didn't know that for sure, but she, we recently, my fiance and I rewatched Sleeping Beauty. We've been watching all the old classics, and I was like, you know, she really sounds familiar. Yes, yes. And then, and then you get at the very end of the ride as your doom buggy is is pulling in to to kind of let you out at the very very exit. You have uh, what, who has be, be, uh, come to be called affectionately as Little Leota. Uh, uh, you know, up in the up in the top corner, uh, the little I, I don't know. I'll say uh, doll looking kind of figure in doing doing her like. Hurry back. If you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Hurry back. Hurry back. Rest in peace. Be sure to bring your death certificate if you decide to join us. Make final arrangements now. We've been dying to have you. (laughs) 
you know, doing that thing. So that again is, uh, is, you know, they use the, they, this time they actually, they use the head for Madame Leota, but they also use her voice for that. They use Leota, Leota Tombs as voice for that. So that's really cool. And then and you were right, you know, you were talking about the Imagineers that were involved. It, there were actually, so it was Mark Davis uh, who also worked on Pirates of the Caribbean. He was really big on that. And then Claude Coates. And yes, like one of them uh, really wanted to have, you know, a definitely more of a kind of a whimsical feel. One of them wanted to have a kind of a scary feel. But also if you look at it, 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 definitely in the, the Walt <laughs> Disney World version, you'll notice some of the spires of the mansion on the outside. If you look, if they kind of look, some of the pieces almost look a little like chess pieces. Oh. Like, um, oh, nice. uh, like a, I think it's called a rook. I'm not a chess fan, but I, <laughs> there's a couple I think that look like a, a pawn and a rook up there. And then, you know, it's neat. They do these things to um, kind of, you know, call back or pay homage maybe even to just to the Imagineers that worked on them to have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of their touch on it. And that was, uh, I forget which one it was. I think it's Mark Davis or um, Claude Coates who was, you know, big into chess, but really wanted to have that. But um, yeah, that, that is, it's a really nice touch to the attraction there. And there's a lot of, a lot of really cool uh, things. They, they, um, the graveyard scene that you used to, they've kind of shortened it because they've redone the queue line in Walt Disney World. Um, and it's been several years since I've been to the one out at Disneyland. But I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, they still have the mo- most of the graveyard scene uh, out there. But they, as you're kind of winding through the queue line, there used to be this you know big graveyard scene with all the tombstones and everything. And you'll see... Um, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but you know, like here lies Fred and then there's like a kind of, you know, something fell on his head. I forget what it was, but these are, these are, these are all names of Disney Imagineers who worked on the attraction. Uh, so you'll, um, and one of them that, that, uh, became, there's a lot of lore that has happened over the years, but one of them was master Gracie. And so, and, and this was named after another Imagineer who worked on the attraction he, by the name of Yale Gracie. And that kind of, that lore kind of developed into this, like, oh, well, Master Gracie, he's yep. the master of the mansion. Like, this is, this is the, uh, the, he's the person you see hanging in the stretching room when you look up. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, 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 <laughs> I don't think that was ever part yeah. of the official story. But it was th- it was just a, uh, a little touch, a little homage that they just threw in there to put like one of the Imagineers' names on the tombstone, and they just used the term "master" just to switch it up a little bit. Uh, but it, it stuck, you know, and it, it became part of the the lore of the attraction. And so it's one of those that is really it's grown a lot over the years. Um, they they redid the queue out out at Walt Disney World several years ago, and they kind of made it a little bit more interactive to try to. Um, to try to make it a little, a little more uh, to make the wait time uh, go by a little bit, uh, a little bit easier, I guess. Uh, so you're not quite complaining quite as much. Um, so you lost a lot of that graveyard scene, but they actually kept as like a centerpiece of the new queue line. As you're in there, you'll actually see a lone cemetery right in the middle, a lone <laughs> grave. And they kept that with Master Gracie and it's walled off with a little fence around it, which was really neat. So they definitely, um, Maybe that wasn't, he wasn't maybe supposed to originally be the star of the attraction, but he's definitely become the star of the attraction now. They, they've played into it. That's awesome. That's really cool. Can I walk us through the ride real quick? Yeah, sure. From a musical point of view? When hinges creak in doorless chambers 
and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. All right, so you start off with the entrance foyer. Um, and in the entrance foyer, you're going to have a distant or organ. So this is like Grim Grinning Ghost is throughout this ride. It is literally the theme of this song, of this ride throughout the whole thing with different, different times it comes in. Um, you start right off the very beginning hearing it as a distant organ with a very slow cadence of a funeral dirge. feels like it's kind of rumbling and make, sets that nice spooky tone to the attraction. And then they add in the theater <laughs> organ also with some, some bells. Next, you move on to the loading area after leaving the stretching room. And one of the ride's most unconventional musical selections, and, that, and I'm reading from some different places that I pulled this out of, so I'm going word from word for some of this, is you hear the alto flute playing the composition... And then the bells are doubling on the melody. And then there's a wind-like sound that's also doing pitches of the song in the background as well. So one of those things that you wouldn't, unless you're a music guy, you're not going to pick up that the wind is also <laughs> joining in on this. Oh, I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. <laughs> the real chills come later. Now, as they say, look alive. And we'll continue our little tour. And let's all stay together, please. It's very subtle. It's, it's very creepy. I love the effect. It's very cool. Then you move into the piano parlor with the Phantom sitting at the piano. And he's doing chords on the organ. <laughs> This isn't heard at Disneyland. This is only at, at the other at the other parks. Moving into the seance room, you have the yeah, foyer organ playing again, and then a variety of instruments that are floating around the room, such as the harp, the tambourine, and the trumpet, start joining in. Let there be music from regions beyond. Wizards and witches, wherever you dwell. The melody is hummed on the organ while the other instruments kind of fade in and out. Then we go to the ballroom, which has the amazing effects that you were mentioning earlier. So the, the spirits are kind of floating around, but this time they've changed the song to a waltz. So, so waltz, now you've yeah. got a totally different version of this song. Um, they use a lot of unusual chords of minor and major sevenths. Aaron, I'm sure you loved this section of the <laughs> ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
attic and you have a phantom pianist playing. So what you hear now is that you hear the bridal chorus. They've taken they've taken out the grim grinning ghost, but they bring in the bridal chorus, but they are playing the bridal chorus in the key of grim grinning ghosts from the previous scene. And it gives it a very eerie feeling. Yeah, it's like this this very minor key with the with the notes like diminished and and the reason to that is is that because that's the that's the point where you see Constance who is the uh, the 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 I'll call her the killer bride uh, <laughs> of the mansion. But yeah, it's a very eerie scene. But I I, I love and that's a newer touch that hasn't always been there. That's um uh, w- with a, a couple of the uh, renovations uh, ago that they did back. And that actually flows in from the from the Euro Disney one, from what I was seeing, because Euro Disney came up with this whole this whole plot of the ride and storyline for the ride, with uh, revolving around Constance. And then when they decided to revamp the ride in Disneyland and Disney World, they're like, oh, let's incorporate that. That's really great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I I love that little touch that they did with the with the uh, here comes the bride uh, kind of thing, yeah. and they're playing along with uh, grim grinning ghosts. It's cool. Um, so the key changes, Aaron, are a minor, <laughs> a flat minor, a flat minor, or a sharp. It looks like a flat minor, um, and B minor. I gotta say, it depends on what what version you're talking about. I suppose when I hear the main version that we think of with the, the lyrics and such, it goes from uh, a minor to B flat minor to B. So it's ascending a half step every time, or not every time, but it, it, it there are two key, key right. changes. That's in the, the next version scene. that we're going to talk about. Pardon me, I just like knocked something off my desk here. I need to clean up. Um, uh, in the key, in the in the version we're going to talk about, there's only one key changer. It goes from A minor to B flat minor. But right. uh, it, that's one of the interesting things about this song, which actually I did want to talk about, but. Uh, Hold on, I was going to say, let me finish the ride up here. (laughs) Because this is where it gets complicated. We've hit the end of the ride of sorts, where it's actually a number of different things. We've hit the graveyard jamboree. This is where the lyrics finally come in. And once again, we're hearing a number of them looping over each other. I'm going to go over all of them that I can. Uh, There are four verses, which BNL hits all of them. The first two verses are in A minor. The third verse is in B flat, as you were saying, B flat minor, and the fourth one's in B yeah. minor. This is the most obvious version of this song. This is the one people think of with the song because it's also the right. longest. I'm going to start going through the musicians. So we start <laughs> off, the first thing you hear is the swing musician. <laughs> They, that is a rhythm guitar, bass guitar, contrabassist, and a percussionist, and a jazz organist. I'm not going to go through all these names because we will be here all day. There are so many people that worked on this. We then move to the Graveyard Band. Uh, this is where, where the director and composer said, I want you to make the most, most unearthly sounds ever heard. Mm. Um, each instrument was recorded three times over, and some of them they recorded backwards as well. The only one we hear backwards though is the flute. Mm. At this section, there's also a heart and a trumpet that comes in. Mm. 
we move on to the singing busts, which is mm-hmm. Thurl Ravenscroft, Vernon Rowe, Chuck Schroeder, Jay Meyer, and Bob Ebright, which they are the yeah. ones that are known to sing the song. That's what everyone thinks of when they play it for the cartoons, when they play it on any compilations. This is the one everyone refers to. When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, happy haunts materialize, and begin to vocalize, when ghosts are to and as you mentioned earlier, Thurl does a lot of stuff. Uh, he did the. He not only was he the Tony the Tiger. Also, everyone would know him from the Mister Grinch. He was. He did the oh, song. Yeah. Get that deep, um, rich voice. You're a mean one. Yeah, he's got the deep, the <laughs> deep bass voice. Yeah. Um, he also did the music and singing for Pirates of the Caribbean. Tiki Room, Country Bear, Small, uh, the Country Bear Jamboree, Small World, Splash Mountain, and did voices for Cinderella and the Jungle Book. Whew. <laughs> He's the big man. I'm not going to go like that for everyone. <laughs> Next step, we have the Duke and Duchess. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide Or a silly spook may sit by your side Shrouded in a damp disguise They pretend to terrorize Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize um, Which is the baritone from the Mellow Man as well as Betty, uh, Betty Wand um, who also did the Tiki Room. Followed up by the Tea Party Ghosts. This is a really eerie one. There is a monotone chorus. Everything is done in one tone, which is beautiful when you hear it. It's like, holy cow, how did I never pick up on this before? As the moon climbs high over the oak trees, looks and bright for the midnight's breeze. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes, start to shriek and harmonize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. We then move into the opera singers section. <laughs> Followed up by the mummy and the old man. When the crystals creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come both for a swing and wake. The hearts materialize and begin to vocalize. Swim, girl, and ghost come out to socialize. The beheaded knight who sings his lines with a German accent. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a dark disguise. Say, pretend to terrorize. Grim ghosts come out to socialize. <laughs> we go into the executioner and prisoner. As the moon climbs high over the dead old tree, spooks arrive for the midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes, start to shriek and harmonize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. And then we finish up with the grim farewell with the original busts saying the, the final stanzas of the song uh, for their farewell. If you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple Mortals pay a token fee. Rest in peace, the haunting spree. So hurry back, we would like your company. Whew! 
Now, there's a lot yeah. more information out there. If you want to pick up on <laughs> each of these, there is different singers for each and every single one of these characters. They have tons of background in what they've done, including the last ones that we just mentioned, uh, Bill Day. It's really interesting. He did the angry apple trees in Wizard of Oz, so it's really cool to hear him. Oh, nice! Uh, I didn't know that. How would you feel if someone came up and picked something up for you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you handing my apple down what they ought to be? That's yeah, great. Cool. So That's go really out, cool. look that up. It's really cool. It's a deep dive, though. You will get stuck in it for hours. I know. I spent about four or five hours looking the stuff up and could not get myself out of it. <laughs> Here comes the part. Where we all learn about special products that we need to make our lives better. Now, of course, podcasts are not inexpensive. At a certain point, podcasters need to make back the money they put into it. So I've been searching for sponsors for our podcast. That's when I discovered Podcorn. It has allowed me to put our name out there, connect with other podcasters to have our ads on their shows, as well as have them on ours but also have some sponsors to help us keep going. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to the amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman, so I can choose the right sponsors for us and set our own rates. They exist to give us transparency, creative freedom, and control of how we monetize. As a matter of fact, they're sponsoring tonight's episode. Thank you, Podcorn. Podcasters and advertisers go out and sign up for Podcorn, the new way to monetize your podcast or advertise your products. Look for the link in our show notes. Did you go to the bathroom? Did you microwave a burrito? Are you considering consulting your doctor? Did you just skip all the commercials because you got TiVo? We're back! We're back! We're back from the commercial break now. Oh, so with that being said, <laughs> we have now gone over thoroughly the original version of this. I would like to now start popping into the Bare Naked Ladies version. When the cryptos creak and the tombstones quake, folks come out for a swinging way. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. So this comes on the album... Disney's music from the park um, has some really interesting songs. Not all of them are great, but like to hear Yo Ho Yo Ho by the Pointer Sisters is kind of different. <laughs> Tim Curry Ooh. doing the ballad of Davy Crockett was yeah. like, oh, I love Tim. Yeah. I love Tim Curry though. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Oh. How can you not? So like, I recommend people go out and listen to this. It's actually a pretty cool album. It's pretty neat. Um, my my favorite thing was listening to one specific song that was on the Haunted Mansion soundtrack, and I actually it's it's now a song that I love more than the original. It's Morris Day in the time covering "Somebody's Watching Me." <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Interesting. It is everything that you would think it sounds like, and then I it can, is just perfect. I can see that being really great, actually. Yeah. I'm not your average man with an average life. I don't work from nine to five, but hey, I'll pay the price. All I want is to be left alone in my fancy home. But why does it always feel like I'm in the twilight zone? And... With that being said, 
on both these albums is the Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> version, which is a very jazzy version of this song. Yeah. Let's talk about the Bare Naked Ladies version of the song. Aaron, <laughs> do you want to give us a quick breakdown of this song? Yeah. All right, let's break it down. <laughs> so, Grim Grinning Ghosts, the cover by the Bare Naked Ladies. Break down, break down, break down. Aaron's going to talk about construction and time. Depending on how you count the time, I, I decided to count it. You could probably, I, I decided to kind of count it in what it's called double time, uh, where I'm just sort of counting the, the bass as, as the beat. Um, but most likely, it might actually be twice as fast as this in, in point of fact. I mean, I'm sure Tyler would tell me that <laughs> it's a lot faster than this. It, so I, I, when I wrote down the, the, uh, the beats per minute here, the tempo, I wrote about 130 to 135 beats per minute. It starts out closer to 130, tends to rush a little bit as it goes through. It ends up closer to around 135. What that means in actuality is probably around 260 to 270 beats per minute. Um, but however you want to count it, either way, it's right around there. It's a very fast, uh, jazzy version. Um, it's interesting when you when you listen to the the original, the the version that you were talking about, the bust <laughs> the bust version, I suppose you call. It. That's nearly that's like around five minutes. I want to say, or this is like two and a half. You know, so it is a very very fast up tempo. And it's a jazzy version, which I like a lot. I don't know if you guys are aware of a guy named Cable Sasser, uh, but he, he's an app developer and he works for developing video games and other such things. Uh, but he had a blog that was very popular back about 15 years ago now. And um, I was following him at that time, and he was invited by a friend to go to Club 33 in Disneyland. And he played the harpsichord in there, and he actually played kind of a jazzy, uh, almost like a ragtime uh, version of Grim Grinning Ghosts on it. So when I heard this, I immediately thought of that because it's got that swinging kind of uh, syncopation to it. Uh, I loved it. It's in, as we discussed, the key of A minor. There is a key change to B flat minor near the end, uh, one half step up. The chords, they mainly hop around from you know A minor to B, A minor to B flat, then they go up to the F and then E. So really quickly, um, the main melody is going A minor to B7 to A minor to B flat to A minor to F. A minor to F, A minor to E7, back to A minor. When you get the key change to B flat, B flat minor to C7, so everything's up one step. B flat minor to B or C flat, depending on how you look at it. Uh, B, minor, B flat minor, G flat, B flat minor, G flat 7, B flat minor, F7, B flat minor. Uh, so very much exactly the same thing, just a half step up. Um, Again, originally the the bust version at least has an, an additional key change to B, one additional half step up. But thankfully for me, this cover does not, so it's easier for me to break it down here. Uh, so you start off with an intro, which I'm going to call the B section, even though it really almost in a lot of ways just goes through the same kind of chords over and over again. So you could almost say it's just A A A A A. But for the sake of argument, we can say the intro section and and the uh, instrumental refrains are B. So we'll call it B, and then the first one is your A. You have the refrain or the intro changes again, instrumental B, verse 2, A. Then you have the bridge slash middle eight slash instrumental section, which is B. Interestingly enough, it ends with this climactic sort of, it feels like it's building up to something and, and, and ascending. And you think this is where the key change is going to happen, which is probably where it would happen in the other version. And they go back to uh, A. So they kind of do a fake out there. Uh, then you get verse 3, your, your A section again. And then it immediately launches into verse four, but this time it's in B flat, one half step up. But that's still the A uh, section. So you have a B A B A B A A or ba ba ba. It's like a <laughs> black sheep of a song there. Um, it's a wonderful tune because it's creepy, and yet the key changes up, 
which usually feels uplifting. But here it sounds maybe, I don't know, a little more anxious, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but even if it's a little spooky, it's always fun and it makes me smile hearing this song. Uh, of course, this song in particular, this version is very fun because it's kind of jazzy and, and poppy. Um, I have a lot of fond memories, of course, I associate with this song. As I mentioned, uh, I first went on the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World, the woman who is now my fiance. I proposed to her a couple of years later at Disney World on Halloween. And after she said yes, we went on the Haunted Mansion, of course. So <laughs> it's definitely our, our favorite ride. Most, you know, A lot of it has to do probably with nostalgia and the love of the classic Disney and the theming and everything. For me, um, I know we're talking about music now, but I'm going back into <laughs> why I love Disney so much uh, as, as opposed to other you know, theme parks, quote unquote, is it's really more about theming. Uh, you know, there are the thrill rides and stuff like that, but um, when you stay on property, especially, you never really leave and you just feel like you're somewhere else. You're taking a vacation from reality. The theming's always there. So it's very cool. Um, but, anyways, Grim Grinning Coast. Can, can I ask uh, I really, you really, quick? really, really. Yeah, please. Did you when you were when you were there? I don't know what time of the year you were there. So there's like what two? You can correct me on this, Brian. Two or three weeks there that they do a special theme for the haunted mansion, which is based yes. around the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, was that when you went? Did you go during that time? Well, yes. I we were fortunate. Enough. I planned the the heck out of this trip, and she could tell something was coming. Because I was planning it so meticulously, <laughs> but uh, I we 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 arrived like the day before Halloween. I got us tickets to what they call Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party on Halloween, and then we stayed long enough so that we were there when they put up all the Christmas theming too. So mm. we got to see both the Christmas and the Halloween stuff. So uh, that was such a special trip. That was that was really exciting. And of course, we went on Haunted Mansion a bunch of times <laughs> while we were there. Uh, I mean, I really love. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Flights of Passage is really great. Um, uh, but uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to the Neutron ride and, and all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. There's something about uh, Haunted Mansion that keeps keeps me yeah. coming back. And uh, yes, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say it. It really is. It, it really is amazing. They and they call it a. It, you know they call it a, an overlay, I guess, and they call it a, a Haunted Mansion holiday. Uh, and they they do this <laughs> uh, out at Disneyland. And actually, like my first trip to Disneyland that I ever took. I specifically planned out, like I, I went I, I went with a guidebook that actually said, and here's a tip for you guys if you guys ever want to know when is the slowest time of year to visit Disneyland. Evidently, it's like the week following Labor Day. And so that was that was the advice that I got oh. from the book. However, there is a there there is a downside <laughs> to that, and that's like when we went, it was it was great. It was it was very slow, it was very nice, it, we had a great time. But that's also they take they they use that downtime where they're not quite as do busy to do all the maintenance. That's right. So and, yeah. and Get all so the there and were stuff. so many things. So they do an <laughs> overlay on they do a Christmas uh, slash Halloween overlay uh, on Haunted Mansion, and they also do an overlay at It's a Small World for Christmas time out at Disneyland as well. So oh, both no. both of those attractions were down uh, while they were <laughs> while they were oh, doing no. that. They were, while they were kind of switching those over. Uh, there, there were several like really big things. It was like, oh, it, it, it was, you know, it, it's a trade-off. Uh, <laughs> it really is a trade-off, but it's really cool. I haven't seen Haunted Mansion Holiday in person. Uh, that's one I have watched the video of because I'm a big, I'm a big Nightmare mm. Before Christmas fan. I love the Nightmare Before yep. Christmas. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's it's it, it's pretty cool, and it, it's it's great. They they don't just put extra decorations in the mansion like there's a brand new script 
that they write in and it's a you know it's it's oh, a, nice. I oh nice oh it's it's yeah. really cool it's a, they do a whole like um a, like poem almost like like twas the night before christmas where every you know every line mm. rhymes and everything with, with the narration all the way through it's it's really cool and of course they put in jack skellington and and uh and everything but it yeah it, it it's pretty cool um so yeah <laughs> i'm gonna pull us back to the song let's, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about this song in like brian what do you what are your thoughts i know we heard aaron but what are your thoughts on this on the bare naked ladies version well if you remember from last time on, on this show like i'm a bare naked <laughs> ladies fan i'm a disney fan but i'm also a super huge jim cregan fan i love his mm-hmm. work as a as a bassist myself um you know he you like i I was playing electric bass in a band. I discovered Bare Naked Ladies and started listening to Jim Cregan. And I ran out and bought a gi- big giant double bass. And like, that's what I want to play. Um, and I love what he does in this song. Like it starts out, um, you know, it, it, the very beginning of the song, he uses uh, the bow using an arco technique to really kind of put these, um, you know, these very, uh, I'll use the word unearthly because it does sound a little unearthly, mm-hmm. this little run that he does um, all the way through, you know, kind of the very, very beginning of the song. love that but then he switches over you know Aaron you mentioned that the jazz style of the song I love I mean Jim Jim Cregan does amazing what I'm gonna call jazz pop and I love jazz pop like I'm I'm actually not a big quote-unquote jazz fan I appreciate jazz I think it's incredibly hard to play I I think it's great but I love like it's it's jazz is easily accessible uh, is what I c- kind of consider jazz pop. And this is like jazz pop to me. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's jazzy music that has a structure to it. And Jim Cregan does that so well with just the walking bass lines that he uses. And, um, it, oh man, I, I really love this for my only, my only, uh, critique on this song is I wish that Jim was higher up in the mix so I could hear the bass a little bit better. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the bass really does carry this song. It might be the jazzy nature of it, but it's just the way that it hops on those, uh, yeah. those notes well, back and forth. It really moves I, it along. I remember if you, uh, the very first time I heard the... Um, uh, the version that they did of a uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen with uh, yeah mm, yeah it, yep. and that's another one where he does this really just amazing this little <laughs> jazz run and it's and it, it turns this really you know this this it turns this Christmas carol into all of a sudden this really classy sounding jazz song it's really neat uh-huh. so you know and I think this has elements of that um, so I I really do love this for this I think an, another interesting thing. That, that I kind of still take away from this song is this, this song works so well for Ed's voice. Um, you know, he's, mm. he's able to get a uh, very deep, I've always thought, you know, I've always appreciated both Ed and Steve, but I, you know, S- Steve is really the more, like, I guess the more trained kind of singer, I think. And I, you know, I, I've even heard, you know, Ed kind of mention that in interviews, but this works really well for Ed's voice and oh yeah how often how often do we hear ed do baritone yeah i know going deep Mm. for this song yeah and it it sounds beautiful coming out of his mouth it does 
Yeah, it's actually really nice. I'd like to hear more. Of yeah, that. and then you know, one thing that Steve does so well though is I I think this is and I I'm kind of a big a, a big uh, <laughs> Steve Page fan as well. Um, but one thing he does so well is he does he's got such a great voice, but he does great harmony. He really shines. Oh. And, with oh, the harmonies yeah. on this. Gorgeous harmony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, with this the rest song of them. highlights. This song highlights their harmonies better than, I think, any song out there that they've done. Like, this really brings in all of them sounding perfect t- together throughout the whole song. Yeah, and, you know, that that really, it, it harkens back to, it, really, the, the whole theme for this with the harmonies and Bare Naked Ladies and everything goes back to the the singing bust because they're in the Haunted Mansion doing this kind of barbershop, you know, acapella quartet kind of deal. And so I like that they were able to kind of work to their strengths and incorporate a little bit of that style into this version of the song. So it's not total barbershop harmony. Uh, they've, they've worked in a bit of a barbershop harmony into their own eerie kind of jazzy version of this song. I, I love it. I yeah. really do. I love it. I want to point out a really cool thing. I, I could be wrong here and I'm going to get lambasted if I am, I'm sure. <laughs> I believe this is actually Kevin's first song with the band. I was just going to ask you. I did. Oh, really? What was ninety six? You said this is nineteen ninety six. So this is between those two albums. Yeah, pretty. And he he was known to come in and start doing music with the band at that point. But the line where they stay, say starts to shriek. Start to shriek. That sounds very definitively Kevin. Start to shriek. Mm. And I and I can't I don't believe I'm wrong on this. I think that's Kevin back there saying starts to shriek. Yeah. And well, if that's case, this song was recorded as one of the first Kevin songs for the band. You know what that means, Tracy? Kevin, we know you're listening. You're just going to have to come on and settle this once and for all and let <laughs> us nail this down and, and and get to the bottom of it, get to the truth. You were mentioning earlier the bass. I think one of the, I love the bass at the very beginning. Matter of fact, one of my my things that I wrote was piano, bass, drum beginning sets the atmosphere yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. But I also want to point out, like, and, and like I said, it could be Andy, could be could be uh, Kevin. I'm pretty sure it's Kevin because it's 1996, and I think Andy had already left at this point. At one point, very near the beginning. The piano breaks off, let, leaves the bass and the drum to continue driving the song, and we hear the we hear the piano start tinkling in the background and providing like chills that like run up and down your spine as you're listening. It is gorgeous. Yeah, you know, and uh, I I'm I'm really I'm really bad. I, I don't know. I won't say I'm bad. I <laughs> sometimes I think I can I can tell different people's style just by listening, but this is one of those where I do feel like is is a Kevin style. Like Kevin is um, you know is a great you know uh, pianist, but I, I've always considered Kevin a keyboardist. And what I mean by that is Kevin and you know and I I I play some piano and I've always wanted to be able to do what Kevin does, and and I can't because I'm like I'm a pianist. I want to always be playing. Uh, constantly, but Kevin is really good at dropping out and figuring out just those little, those little pockets of where to come in and just add a little bit using. Yeah. He's really, really good at that. And that's something that, um, that, you know, I, I love what Andy did, but I, I hear so much more of that stuff once, uh, once Kevin came into the band. 
Yeah, he's yeah. very tasteful. I agree. Now, one of the things I didn't hear you guys mention, I think this is probably my favorite part of the song, is that jazzy bridge. Well, it's interesting because I I did talk about how the song speeds up a little bit, and I'm not sure where the bulk of that happens or if it's fairly distributed throughout, but there seems to be this kind of hectic energy about that section where I said like they're kind of, it feels like they're building up to something and then they drop <laughs> right. back down to the to the A minor. Uh, it's very playful, which is very much in theme with in keeping with the theming of the ride and everything. It's like these mischievous ghosts or whatever. So yeah, it, it's almost I almost envisioned like these instruments just kind of coming to life and playing themselves at that point. You know what I mean? So that's that's the the image I got in my head, the visual. So uh, yeah, it was it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to drop out. All right. Do you want to give really us your scores, and I can cut that in for yeah, a different spot? Yeah. Right, give us your your break. Definitely. I wish I could stick I around. I, I could talk about Disney and and BNL all day with you guys. Uh, unfortunately, I, I literally cannot, but <laughs> I, I could if I if I had the opportunity. Um, so yeah, I I love this song. I I love this cover of this song. Um, it's really it's just a tough one for me because you know I I really want to rate it really high. I can't quite put it up there with like alcohol and Brian Wilson and conventioneers and the flag, which are like fives in my opinion, but it's really good. And I, I want to give it a really good one. I'm trying to separate my, my, all the positive energy and feelings I have towards the song in general and just focus on this particular instance, this cover, because obviously uh, there's a lot of, uh, of sentimentality that goes along with my experience in this song. So after kind of, kind of, sorting through my feelings for a while i think i've arrived at a very very solid 4.2 uh happy haunts wow out of that's five. very precise <laughs> we're, we're gonna do husbands <laughs> yeah we're gonna do husbands oh so okay. if you want to cut that in 4.2 husbands 4.2, 4.2 murdered that's husbands. right because <laughs> in, in, the, in the ride the blackburner bride kills five husbands yeah, yeah. so i thought it was perfect okay so f- <laughs> All right, so I am going to give Grim Grinning Ghost 4.2 murdered husbands out of five. <laughs> All right, thank you for joining you, us. So I have two more notes about the music itself. One, I love how at the very end we have Grim Grinning Ghost and they start doing their Grim Grinning Ghost, Grim Grin, like their 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 layering, and it sounds like the ghosts are popping out and surrounding you. Yeah, and it's such a great effect with all five of them doing that. That's just right. The word it's like effect, and I think feel like they do this so much. It's such a great job on that with the song. And you know, as I was listening to this, you know, and thinking about you know how well the layering is done in this, and how well the harmonies are done, and and this is a very intricate intricately planned song this isn't just like a song where they just said hey we're gonna do a disney cover and let's sit down like 30 minutes and bang out you know a, a version of this this is something that was really thought it was uh composed uh, or i shouldn't say composed mm-hmm. arranged uh very very meticulously and you're right you mentioned the, those effects and stuff um you know that, that kind of that doing that with their voice like really just kind of making this something more you're not just listening to some guys perform a song and sing a song you're actually being transported really kind of to the ride like being you know invoking Mm. the attraction and invoking some of those feelings that you feel in the ride just by listening to their their cover of the song the only other thing i have and i have no information this is just a pure question and if i ever have them come on any of them come on the show this is the question one of the questions they're getting 
who played the trombone on this song? This <laughs> trombone was amazing. Like they brought someone in. It's wonderful. It adds so much. I, man, I love, I, I, I really do love this. And it, it, I got a question for you. I'm wondering, what do you think? This is, there's no right or wrong answer to this, but I'm just wondering, <laughs> th- this to me is along the lines, I can picture them. I, I, I don't know if they did or not. Probably not. But I can picture this like a King of Bedside Manor or, you know, a naked a naked track. And I'm wondering, yes, <laughs> do you think this was a naked track? I don't know. <laughs> I would love to think that this was a naked track. Something tells me that, that Disney would be really angry with them for recording it that way. And they would never come out and admit it because they would get in trouble with Disney. But I mean, the energy that they put into that, I could totally see this being a naked track. Well, and that's the only reason why I say it probably wasn't because a lot of times when, when songs are recorded for a specific, uh, in a compilation album for, you know, if it's not the artist's album, you know, they're recording it for a soundtrack or recording it for a compilation album. A lot of times that's the artist going, they're going in like Disney's arranging. Okay, here's the date you come into the recording studio. You're working with their producers, their, their staff and everything. So that's why I say probably wasn't, but in my mind, I kind of like to picture it and think that like, maybe this is them just (laughs) having an absolute blast because, you know, and a lot of the vocals, Um, This is, and this kind of goes into what I was saying about it being very cleverly layered and and, and effect driven. Um, But at the same time, it's not an overly produced track. A lot of the, you can, you can hear the vocals. It sounds like them all just kind of standing around uh, a condenser microphone, all doing the harmonies together. Mm. Um, It's not one that sounds like it's super produced where everyone went into a a solo vocal booth and did their own vocal or everything. Maybe the lead vocal, like with Ed's was probably done, you know, in a, in a, in a solo, but I can picture them at least the basic track. I can picture them kind of all performing this together live, kind of. Oh, definitely. I can't. I couldn't picture them recording it any other way with them for this song. Like it, it just melds and blends too perfectly. Yeah. I do want to talk about the lyrics real quick, even though they didn't write the lyrics. I think that this song is a perfect bare naked ladies song, and that I don't know if it was chosen for them or if they chose it and and asked to do this. But the lyrics are very poetic, and and they like to play with words. And they also, cre- Ex Atencio wrote these lyrics. He brings you to another place with just what he's saying. So the, the composer does a great job with the music of, of transporting you to a different realm. But the lyrics do a great job of putting you there as well if you just listen to them. I mean, the first line alone, when hinges creak in the doorless chambers, like already you're like, Ooh, whoa, wait, <laughs> that's not natural. That's not okay. Yeah. Well, and so, so, and so what that, so that line, so that's actually from the, from the, the, what the ghost host is saying is you enter into the haunted mansion. So that's actually the narration Correct. for the attraction, which he wrote that as well. So Exitensio not only wrote right. the words to Grim Grinning Ghost, but he wrote this as well. But but you're right, and that's something I've always loved, absolutely loved about this attraction because um, 
you know, because like you said, when hinges creak and doorless chambers and some, some, of, so many of these words, they sound like throwaway line, uh, you know, until you start to think like, you know, he's talking about that is the time when ghosts are present, you know, um, you know, when, when candle lights flicker and the air is deathly still and it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're hearing door hinges creak, but there's no doors. It's a doorless chamber, right. you know. You're seeing the uh, candlelight flicker, but there, the air is still. There's no wind. And it's like, that is the time when right. ghosts are present. And it's like, oh. Like, you know, and I, again, I can't tell you how many times I, I, you know, heard that and never really thought about it. You know, because you're, you're in the moment. You're just like, oh, I'm in a haunted mansion. This is so cool. And like, yeah, this guy's saying spooky stuff. And you're kind of just saying, you know, you're hearing, us, oh, spooky stuff, spooky stuff. Okay, whatever. You know, but then you really start to look. And it's very, it is very, it's very poetic. It almost sounds, uh, dare I say, almost like a little like Edgar Allan Poe-ish kind of, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and Which you would not expect for a Disneyland ride. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. I mean, I, I've always loved, um, you know, I've always loved Bare Naked Ladies lyrics. Um, they do love uh, wordplay, and they've, they've always been uh, guys who really, um, I, I, I tell you, I've expanded my vocabulary just by listening to Bare Naked Ladies. I, I, <laughs> I, I remember, like, the very first time I ever understood or maybe even heard the word posthumous <laughs> was in tonight it's the night i fell asleep at the wheel like i was like right oh, oh okay i learned a new word today posthumous <laughs> well and how many times in the song do you hear the word requiem requiem I mean, yeah or, or etherealize like those are like words you don't tend to hear in songs and they they work so perfectly here um, and thank you, by the way, for correcting me on that. Yeah, that wasn't. The, I was looking through really quickly to try to pick out the lyrics, and I have the original spoken piece before the song, and they don't they don't say that in the when Bare Naked Ladies cover it. But I mean, it does add to that whole mystique around the ride. Um, but even like the song lyrics, like now don't close your eyes and try to hide. A silly spook may sit by your side. And- but but then and, and then the very next line to that is. Uh, shrouded in a daft d- disguise. It's like again, where do you hear words like shroud and daft? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it, it really is. Um, yeah, it's it really is tremendous. This this song was perfect for them. You know, if if this was, I can't imagine them. You know, if they said, hey, you know, we'll be part of this Disney uh, tribute album. And I can't imagine them doing any other song. Like I can't imagine them doing "It's a Small World" or, or you know, like I, I I don't know, maybe another Disney song from another movie. But I can't imagine them doing this. It's almost like this song was made for them to cover it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at the other songs that were covered for that album, none of them would fit. Zippity Doo Dah, Yo Ho Ho, "It's a Small World," "Ballad of Davy Crockett." Um, I can't wait to be king. Circle of life. Uh, a wish is a dream your heart makes. Part of your world. Like these aren't songs that I could hear Bare Naked Ladies covering. They're great songs. They just don't have that Bare Naked Ladies type sound. You know, they've they've always picked really good covers. I mean, Bare Naked Ladies don't do a whole lot of covers, um, but this ranks up there with like one of one of the uh, other of my favorite covers that I, I've heard them do. Um, it was a live version that, again, I found online somewhere, but um, it, it was a great version that they did. And I forget uh, what exactly it's for. It was for a TV program. It was a tribute to Burt Bacharach. 
where they mm-hmm. did close. We'll be covering that. Yeah, where they did close to you, and I, you know, I, I always thought like that is that was such, and that was a great song for Steve. Oh my goodness. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, like I've always felt they they've done. I I can't think of a of a song that Bare Naked Ladies has done i don't know maybe material girl or something where where i've kind of said okay maybe maybe that one didn't quite work out so well but no this is this is a great choice (laughs) yeah no this is this is wonderful and i'm glad that we that we covered it um before we get on to ratings because i would like to get to ratings i we would be remiss if we didn't discuss the movie oh yes that they that this was on (laughs) so of course this movie of course, we're talking about Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. It was lambasted. It, yeah. it didn't make well. The critics, like, destroyed it. And they, they said it was too different from the ride. It wasn't funny enough. It wasn't scary enough. It, wasn't, it, it landed right square in the middle of those two things and didn't do enough of either to make it worth it. It's kind of interesting because that's exactly how the ride was created. It wasn't funny. It wasn't scary. It's supposed to be a mix of the two of them. And that's what makes the ride beautiful. But that's what the critics hated about this movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is this is one of those. I'll, I'll admit, you know, I'm not going to go out and say this is a great film. Oh no, it's it's definitely not film. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Film, film, film isn't the right time to use that that particular term. But here's what I will say: for a family movie, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good film. I have actually yeah. I've actually watched it numerous times. I actually own it. And I'm glad that the attraction to film aspect survived Haunted Mansion. I'm glad they didn't say, well, that didn't work. We're not doing Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, because that one obviously was wildly successful. But Exactly. But, you know, I mean, they got, they, I mean, they got a big name. They got Eddie Murphy in here, you know, and, and Wallace Shawn. I think I, 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 lo- I love the work that he's done over oh. the years. From The Princess Bride to the Story Story films. Um, you know, it's inconceivable. Inconceivable. Yeah, inconceivable. <laughs> you keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You know, but so I think they got some. And, and what movie can you not enjoy that has Terrence Stamp in it? Yeah, he just like takes the movie, and everyone else is like, they're way too. They're they're being really funny around him, and he's like, no, I'm just gonna go super serious with this role, and you're gonna have to all play around me. Yeah, well, and you know what what they did with this with the story of this, which I think is really is really neat, is they kind of took they kind of took a lot of. Remember, I mentioned it in the beginning when we were talking about the attraction. I mentioned the the kind of lore and the stories that have really grown out of you know people making up you know things about the attraction and and, and people looking at the grave of Master Gracie and saying, oh, he's the master of the mansion. They really took a lot of these weren't original Imagineer backstories that were intended for the attraction, but they were kind of fan stories, cast member stories, things that just kind of grew over the years. And they kind of worked with that. They kind of took that and they kind of worked with it, uh, which I thought was really neat. And even the thing about the bride, I I know... um, over in uh, in Walt Disney World, there was a uh, there was a place where there used to be uh, a fence uh, right outside of it, and there was like a little um, thing in the concrete where the little post for the or the little 
I'm trying to think of the right word, but the the little latch. Yeah, it was a post. Yeah, it would, it would go down into the concrete to kind of lock the fence. And then they removed the fence, but you could still see that little ring in the concrete that was just kind of <laughs> cemented in the concrete. It was very, very tiny. And a story started to grow about, oh, well, what happened was the bride. And at this point, this is in the attic scene. We didn't have the, the killer bride, Constance, in the attic yet. There was a very, very dated looking bride that looked really old and creepy and it looked old and creepy because it was really old and it just looked like really weird. It was the one thing that looked old in the mansion. It's like, this just looks outdated. This looks weird. Yeah. But, um, they updated that. Luckily. Yes, they did. But you know, again, it's what people started to say was like, well, that's that. What happened was that's the bride, the bride's in the attic and there's a big trunk in the attic. And what happened is, um, you know, the bride got locked in the trunk or something and it was something to do. Oh, I think what happened, she got, she got mad at, at, at master Gracie over something and she ran up the attic and she took her ring off and a fit and she threw it out the window and then something happened and she got locked. I forget how the whole story goes, but she got locked in the trunk and he was so distraught. He couldn't find her. She ended up dying in the trunk and he was so distraught that he hung himself. And that's who you see. That's where you see him in the stretching room. Th- these stories kind of grew out, but that's her ring. Outside but that's her, in the that's cement. supposed to be her ring outside. So uh, what I like is they kind of took some of these story and it's not the same exact story, but you can see elements of it yeah. where, uh, is it Elizabeth is her name? I think in the film, it, who, you know, she, um, you know, basically she kills herself, you know, but it's all, it, it's in, in, you know, this Ramsley character, it, it's this very woven web of deceit and, um, and it causes right. her to kill himself and then causes him, uh, to kill himself because, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, so I like how they, they kind of took the story and I don't know, there's pre- probably people who will argue maybe that's where the film goes awry is that a fact that it, it took too many different stories and tried to mesh them all together and start instead of trying to make its own original story. I, you know, I don't really know. I'm not a film critic uh, per se. You know, I, I, I actually hate critiquing films. Like I hate, I, I like talking about films. Like this is what I liked. This is what I didn't, but I hate looking at films and going, Oh, the writing just, uh, yeah, writing needed this or the, the <laughs> cinematography could have been better. You know, I, I'm not that guy. I'm really not. So this to me is just, it's an enjoyable film. It's not something that I would say, you know, you have to go like drop what you're doing right now and go. It's not a clerks. Uh, <laughs> right. It's not a pulp well, fiction. I, I it's think not- it tries to, <laughs> it tries to be too many things. And I think that's where it kind of falls apart. And I, like they have some wonderful possibilities and some wonderful scenes that could really grow into something, but then doesn't. And, and unfortunately, like the one scene that really kind of hits it home to me, and I'll post the link for this one scene because you can't get the whole movie online. The one scene that really makes this up for me is unfortunately the grim grinning ghost scene when they encounter the busts outside and they're just like all over the place with all these different songs and it could be a really kind of great scene Mm -hmm. but it never really coalesces into anything and there's so many things that could be wrong with it and I don't know I don't know if it's the acting or the directing or the writing but something doesn't gel in that scene and none of it's kind of working together and it's really sad because I was like oh this is gonna be a great scene I love this song and it didn't go there you, you know what it, it what it is to me it's and it you, i think you're right i think it, it's very apparent 
it's probably more apparent, I guess I should say, in that scene. To me, that that's Eddie Murphy in that scene doing daddy daycare. It's like, you know, it's Eddie Murphy mm. doing comedy in an element that he's really not comfortable in. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you, you know, you kind of want Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy raw. You don't want Eddie Murphy daddy daycare. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I, well, he's got two kids next to him. And if I, at their age, ran up and all of a sudden I had five statues singing at me, I would be scared out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. And they're having no reaction to this at all. And they're just talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, granted, up to this point, they've experienced a number of things, but I would still be like, what am I seeing right at this moment? And I think if you, that would be a perfect moment to mix fear and silliness. Like, even if, if Eddie Murphy is, he's got the agency of, I've got to go find my wife. You got the statues that are being silly, and you got the kids that are scared out of their minds. That blends. But if you don't have all three of those elements going together, you're just sitting there going, what is this? What's the scene really? Well, and you know what the the death knell for this film is, if I can use that term. <laughs> Nicely used. Very the nice. The death knell for this film is when Jennifer Tilly shows up. I mean, anytime you put Jennifer Tilly in a movie anymore, you're no longer <laughs> wanting to be taken seriously. I mean, Jennifer Tilly stopped being taken seriously whenever they, they, they cast her in Bride of Chucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> and, uh, but Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer Tilly plays Madame Leota. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about ratings. As I mentioned before, we're, we're going to talk about how many dead husbands, how many murdered husbands this song do you give? Um, we've already had Aaron's ratings. Um, how many murdered husbands do you give this song? You know, th this is really this is really hard for me because I, here here's the thing. Like, I I love Disney. I love the Haunted Mansion. I love this song. Uh, I love obviously the Bare Naked Ladies, and I love the job that the Bare Naked Ladies did on this song. When when I try to think about ratings, I try to think about. You know, what Aaron mentioned, you know, is this an alcohol? Is this a, a call and answer? Is this a song that I want to listen to on repeat and just, just over and over again? And like, I just can't get enough of this song. And it, it's it's not. I mean, this is maybe partially because I, I, I know that Bare Naked, I know that it's a cover. I know the Bare Naked Ladies didn't write it. And, you know, it doesn't doesn't make it any, you know, much less of a, a good song, you know, their version. I think nothing wrong with the version that they did. I just can't in con good conscience give it a five because it's a cover. So I don't know. I don't know if that sounds bad or if that sounds weird or not. <laughs> because I, I really do enjoy everything about it. I, I enjoy where it comes from. I enjoy what they did with it. But it's just not the it's not the original creation of, of something that I just think is just an absolute amazing song that I love to just listen to over and over again. Um, you know, for me, I'm, you know, Brian Wilson, you know, that, so, you know, I, I want to give this, I'm probably going to surprise you. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I, I, I know it may be a okay. little bit low, but I, I, I think just because the fact that it's just, it's a playful cover that was done for fun, I think. Um, I think it's a it's a mm -hmm. good song. It's not an um, you know it's not an album song. It's a great addition to that compilation. And if you're a Bare Naked Ladies fan, you definitely need to go out and try to get it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. So uh, so yeah. So that that's my score a three point five. All right, all right. That, I, that's a respectable score. It's still above average by a long shot. Yeah, I love this song. I, I mean, it's not Brian Wilson. It's not alcohol, but to me. I have to rate it a little bit differently because it is a cover, um, but I think it's one of the best covers that they do. I absolutely adore this song. I've, of course, had to listen to all the different variations this week, which we've posted in here, um, along with a number of different covers that people have done. Of all the covers I heard, this is by far the best cover that there is. That being said, the original is really amazing too, and the writing is really well. The The person that did the music and the lyrics just did phenomenal you know of course disney why wouldn't they but i love the bare naked ladies speed their energy their harmonies the musicality on this their instrument playing there's nothing i don't love about this song and i have listened to it about i would say 50 times over the last two weeks in preparing for this episode and it didn't get old to me which is unusual because i would expect that at the 50th time it would be really super old um but i kept finding new and little interesting pieces to pull in so for example like when when ed's saying etherealize he trips over it but he does it in a way where he's like he's just having fun with it so he makes it sound really good anyways yeah so for that reason i can keep listening to it over and over again i put it's a 4.75 for me it's not a five but it's it's way up there even throughout the year, I can listen to this at any time of the year and still enjoy it. And it is totally my new Halloween haunt. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and I like how the bear, I, I love how the Bare Naked Ladies have, you know, um, you know, they have this as a kind of a Halloween haunt. Uh, having just come off of, you know, the Christmas season, I, you know, they've totally, you know, their, their version of, I mentioned God rest you, Mary gentlemen has totally, oh. it's become a, a Christmas standard. Like even their, like you go, you go shopping in the mall and you hear their version of God rest you, Mary gentlemen. I like how they've, they're, they're kind of, they're working their way into these, uh, these holiday songs. I, I like it. Now they have a, they've yeah. got a Halloween song for sure. For, and, and I think I even, I think I remember <laughs> even hearing, hearing this version somewhere when I was out and about maybe doing shopping or something somewhere during Halloween, uh, the Halloween time of year. I think I even remember hearing this. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I would, I would love to hear this everywhere around Halloween. Like this is an amazing version. It's short, it's quick and it's got energy makes people want to go out and buy things. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Which is always a good thing. And Disney loves that. <laughs> Speaking of which, like, the appearance for this week is a live version of them playing this, and Ed's kind of just holding the phone and playing around in the back. Like, they're playing, and he's singing, but he's holding it up and kind of showing everyone playing. It's not their best version. It's not, like, them hitting everything perfectly on. Um, And, of course, Steve is gone at that point. But it is a really fun version to watch them kind of sitting there and playing. Yeah, I saw I saw that, uh, and I thought that was really cool. I love I love kind of backstage looks at things, and this looks like I could be wrong. Um, you know, you definitely see the big like the big screens behind them, like it's a live uh, concert type performance. I could be wrong, but this looks like I do know that when they're preparing for for big tours and things like that, they actually rent these these giant um, like warehouses 
where they actually they're able to put up the screens and they practice transitioning from song to song with the with the lighting and the video and everything like that. This doesn't look like a because when he, he, a couple times you kind of see the front of the stage. It doesn't look like an auditorium or anything like that, but it looks like it might be a big practice no. stage. But it it's it's cool. It's kind of behind yeah. the scenes. I love it. Yeah, no, it's a really fun video. I encourage everyone to watch this. I also want to put out there a couple other versions that were out there. Um, maybe you don't like the Bare Naked Ladies version. I don't know why you don't, but <laughs> there's a great guy who did a version. Uh, name is Dan Buckley, so a shout out to him because this guy has an amazing range. He does what a lot of people do, which is a lot of different... Like He does every single voice on this video, but he's got the range from bass all the way up to a tenor. And hits all of the notes and blends them perfectly. This guy has some talent. People pick him up. As the moon climbs high o'er the dead oak tree, spooks arrive for a midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Grim green ghosts come out to socialize. There's also a slightly a cappella version done by Voice Play. That's uh, it's okay. It's updated, but it's okay. And the tombstones quake. Spooks come out for a swinging wake. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim and ghosts come out to socialize. Interesting that there is a heavy metal, which I, I mean, considering the topic, I'd have to call it a death metal version <laughs> of this. Done by Ghost Host, but it's really cool because their video, the drummer is dressed as the hat box yeah. ghost. So these guys get it. Great, and they're playing an organ. How often do you hear in heavy metal an organ? This this was a this was a very cool version, a very interesting version, and I I love how I I don't know if these if this was a straight to YouTube performance or not, um, but I love how so many so many of the best musical performances I'm finding that I enjoy watching nowadays are these people who are just recording these things in their home or kind of doing this this self-production, you know, maybe it's not in their home, but they're self-recording uh, and filming everything and producing it all. And, I, you know, it's, it's kind of neat because with the technology these days, so many people, like you're not bound and constricted by uh, record labels or needing money to do all this different stuff. You can kind of do whatever you want, you know, for a lot, you know, you can do this stuff in your, in your home. You don't need millions and millions of dollars to go into a recording studio or a film studio and do this stuff. So therefore you can just kind of do whatever you want. You don't have to run it or approve it by anybody or anything. And it, there's so much really cool original stuff. And you mentioned these different mm. versions that are out there. Oh yeah, there's an electronic version, a techno version. Surfer version, like yeah, it it it's fun. I love I love surfing through YouTube 
and just putting in, I'll just type in names of songs and I'll just put, sometimes I'll just like, uh, I wonder if there's a trombone version of this song. And then like, you know, I'll just type in trombone, you know, and it's like, oh, interesting enough. Here's a trombone trio doing the instrumental version of this. You know, I, I love YouTube for that. So th- this was an interesting one, uh, this kind of heavy metal, death metal. And I remember when you sent it, it was yeah. so funny because you were, uh, you, you sent several over uh, to me to check out. And one, you know, you were you mentioned the acapella. And when I first read it, I thought it said acapella death metal version. And I said, that's <laughs> got to be interesting. How do you do death metal, but acapella? <laughs> I want to see that. If anybody out there can do it, I want to hear it. <laughs> yes, please. I want that would be interesting. We will do a shout out to you. You pull it off and send it to us. Plugs. Where can people find you? Well, you know, if you guys want to hear more stuff about Disney uh, and, and stuff kind of like we talked about today, uh, definitely check out check out my podcast. I would love to have you guys as a listener. Uh, you can uh, the name of the show is called All About the Mouse, and you can find it at allaboutthemousecentral.com or just go to iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. Just type in All About the Mouse. And, uh, you know, I, I talk about all things Disney. You know, a lot of times it's theme parks. I, you know, I'm a couple hours away from Walt Disney World in Florida. So, you know, I talk a lot about stuff in Walt Disney World, but it's not just theme parks. You know, we talk about uh, different things with div- Disney movies. I've interviewed uh, uh, several different, you know, Disney celebrities uh, but from, uh, from Jody Benson, who played the voice of The Little Mermaid, to uh, Paige O'Hara, who played the voice of Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Um, we've had, actually, I'm getting ready to have on, uh, the, uh, producer Don Hahn again, he was a producer for the lion wow. King and yeah. And, um, and also the brand new beauty and the beast. He was uh, one of the producer producers for that, the live action remake. Not every week is a, an interview with a Disney celebrity, but, uh, you know, we always, we're always talking about something Disney and, you know, what's funny, Tracy, you know, is when we first started talking about this, I actually was thinking in my head, it's like, you know, I should, when we were talking about all the different, the fun facts about the haunted mansion mm. i was you know i was thinking i was like you know i i should do an episode about you know kind of talk about some of the fun facts the things that a lot of people don't know but through the course of us talking of it you know this was so comprehensive i said you know what scratch that i'm just gonna tell my listeners if you guys want to hear fun stuff about the haunted mansion go check out <laughs> bare naked abcs and the episode number because this is this is the kind of stuff that i would do on my show and and this was a lot of fun okay. i i thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. Well, thank you. No, it was a lot of fun having you on here, and I love talking about Disney, and I love talking about this stuff, and, of course, Bare Naked Ladies, you know. Oh, yeah, of course, Bare Naked Ladies. You know, it's, it's kind of like the after. I, I feel like this became so much about Disney, but, uh, you know, it, 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 really is, it, it really is cool. And I tell you, as a fan of Bare Naked Ladies and a fan of Disney, I thought this was so awesome that, uh, that Bare Naked Ladies did this song. You know, I could totally picture them saying like oh yeah we would love to do that song because who doesn't remember and i'm sure they do too you know trips to disneyland or walt disney world when they're kids and who doesn't remember the haunted mansion from being a kid you know it's one of those things that just everyone has a great memory of and i could totally picture the bare naked ladies going like oh my gosh we're, we're dying to do this song dying <laughs> uh... i did not do that on purpose <laughs> Well, and here's something, and I hadn't brought it up till now, and I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me until now. When this was made is really interesting. 
they hadn't made it big yet. This wasn't one week era. True. This was prior to that. Yeah, you're right. Like, what made Disney reach out to... I mean, obviously, Disney reached out to them. I can't imagine it the other way around. Um, or even if B&L reached out to them, I, why did Disney go, you know what? Yes. Let's bring in this band from Canada that only people from Canada have really heard about. Like, very few Americans have actually heard of. Someone had to have been a huge fan and said, you know what? They would be an amazing connection here for this song. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. And I, I actually hadn't made that connection. I hadn't thought about that. Um, uh, and... You know, I, I realize I'm probably, you know, for a hardcore Bare Naked Ladies fan, I came along like I'll say the rest of or the rest of the majority of Americans where um, I had never maybe I'd heard the name Bare Naked Ladies, but I'd never really listened to them until one week came along. You know, so, uh, you right. know, I, I, I do remember and I believe this was this was definitely pre one week. I do remember hearing. Yeah. Um, shoebox on the Friends soundtrack. I do remember hearing that and going like, "Oh, I really like this song," but it didn't make me want to go out and like hear more bare naked, bare naked lady stuff. I just kind of liked the song. So they were kind of, I, I think at the time, at least in America, they were kind of big on these compilation albums. And you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was uh, a, an agent kind of thing. You know, where the a- agent maybe is like, "Hey, you know, th- there's Disney's doing this compilation album. I think this would be a good idea for you guys to do." So maybe I don't know, maybe. Right. And well, that's one of the questions that if we ever get one of the guys on here, like, yeah, it would be great to ask him like, "How did this come about?" Uh, cuz I'm actually looking at your your statement about the Friends soundtrack is a good point, and I'm wondering if that had any connection to it. It looks like the Friends soundtrack was released in... I remember I was... I mean, I was a teenager. I was probably 15, maybe 16. So that could have been like 96. It was definitely pre-One Week. The first show came out in 94, so it would have had to have been after they had made it big and been on for a few years. So I'm guessing it would have to probably be at least 96. But even then, like, that doesn't make them big enough, I wouldn't think, at this point for Disney to go, let's pull them in. So it's a really interesting idea that they decided to have this band come in. Because this is just yeah. after they released Born on a Pirate Ship. Yeah, it so, was 95. Like, so, and that, that, yeah. and, that, and that corresponds perfectly with, you know, uh, Shoebox was the one that was featured on there, which from Born on a Pirate Ship. And it was the, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the radio edit version of of shoebox so the shorter version but uh but yeah i remember hearing that because i actually bought it for gosh i'm i'm really i'm really taking a trip down memory lane this is bringing back so many great uh, my teen years were awesome uh i bought it for the uh, hootie and the blowfish song i go blind and of course the amazing like best theme song ever I'll be there for you by the Rembrandts, <laughs> but that, that's actually right. that's actually a great soundtrack. One of my other favorite re I love REM. One of my favorite REM songs is on there. It's a Free World Baby. Uh, there's a great song by Katie Lang on there. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket has good intention. This is actually a really good soundtrack. So you know, yeah. if you don't have Born on a Pirate Ship and you want to get Shoebox and a bunch of other really good songs, go get this. This is this is cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. That might have been the thing that inspired them to to bring him in. But a very interesting choice because they hadn't blown up big yet. So 
We talk. Do you remember the storyline from the ride that I was talking about with with Constance uh, Hatchway, the uh, Black Widow Bride? Yeah. Um. You know, she killed like five of her husbands. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is really cold hearted. I mean, one of the husbands that she killed was like by hacking him up with an axe. In the end, I guess you could say that he had had half a heart. Half a heart, nice. <laughs> so that, that of course, will be the song that we're discussing next week is Half a Heart. Oh, great song, great um, song. Well, thank you for joining us on the Bare Naked ABCs. See you real soon. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was the worst pun of the show. I had... <laughs> nice. Can't, I can't do a Disney show without saying "see, see you real soon." soon. It's 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 kind of the <laughs> it's you know it's it's signature Disney, and it's also like one of the saddest things you'll ever hear. And because every time I see "see see you real soon," I always um, it, you mentioned Mickey's not so scary Halloween party, and it's always above the train station as you're leaving, spelled out, and there's there's pumpkin little jack o' lantern pumpkins, uh, it's spelling it out. There's one for every letter, and it spells out "see you real soon." Every time I hear that, I think of that, and it's like Aww. I'm leaving. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm really sad to be leaving. Yeah. And but. now we're sad. <laughs> With that wonderful note, thank you for joining us this week, Brian. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. And everyone else, come back next week and listen to Half a Heart. If you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Mortals pay a token fee. Rest in peace, the haunting's free. So hurry back, we would like your company. To socialize. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my chair just... Oh goodness! Me, so. Oh, I was I was. <laughs> That's why I disappeared. I wasn't even looking at the camera anymore. I was I was looking at the way wa- the waves on the recorder. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I just suddenly just disappeared off screen oh my gosh. for a moment. <laughs> I'll fix that later. So. Um, <laughs> that's a good moment for a break and a <laughs> <Nice>. change. 